Hi everyone, welcome to Dead House. This is future Mandy. And before we get into this episode, uh, because I'm going to be very hard on this book, I wanted to take a minute to talk about critiquing older media. When looking at older media, you need to keep in mind that it is a reflection of the time in which it is created. What I'm angry about in this episode, to be perfectly clear, is I'm angry at the time period that this brought back for me that I lived through. Uh, that was a point of it that was not uh, great. And I'm not angry at the author, obviously. This book had to go through a lot of different sets of eyes before it was published. The way we thought about and discussed weight was very different in the 90s, and so this was obviously considered acceptable. Nowadays, you wouldn't see this uh, published quite this way. And it's also why you notice a change in Earl Stein's writing in the later series, like Horrorland. It's because he's changed with the times and updated the way he writes. Again, it's not a reflection of him, it's a reflection of the time period it was made in. Nobody thought of it that way at that time. Thankfully, the way we discuss and think about weight has changed. Not enough, but it has changed. There's a reason why all of the original run hasn't been republished, and only certain books have been chosen as the best representations of that line to be republished as the Goosebumps classics. Some things are better left in the past. With that in mind, let's get into this episode. Okay, get my notes out. So I got notes on this bad boy. Welcome to Dead House. Today we are looking at Say Cheese and Die Again. So I think um, we both have mixed feelings on this book, hey? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As in, it made me angry. I hate this book. <laughs> I really, really, really dislike it a lot. There's some points in it that's just confusing because you wouldn't hear or see that happen in school these days because it would be shut down pretty fast. Yeah, it would. And also, it brought back an era of 90s media in general that I really didn't like growing up. That was really harmful. That was really prevalent. Mm -hmm. And we see some of it in Monster Blood too, but it's much worse in this book and like in a really really detrimental way so right before we start i'm just gonna say this book deals with body image issues so if you have those issues yourself and this is not a topic that you want to join in for then that's cool you can skip this one in fact skip this book <laughs> yeah for sure um but you know, unfortunately, that's the main theme of this for some reason, instead of it being about the camera. And, and we'll get into that as 
it becomes relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause the plot takes a real, a real turn. It does. Partway yeah. through. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole tone of the book changes partway through. As usual, um, it's Say Cheese and Die Again, which was book number 44, and it was first published in June of 1996. Um, we open with a similar premise. Similar, yep. To Monster Blood 2. Mm -hmm. And uh, Monster Blood 2 was book 29, mm -hmm. right? So this was written after. Yeah. I think I'm remembering that correctly. But it does pretty much the same thing. And actually, we start with a character change in Greg in that Greg's personality is a little bit different and he's a lot more like Evan. He is more naive than he had been mm -hmm. in the first book and he's a little more um, eager to please people and be accepted by people and we see some of that in how vehement he is about this experience over the summer and that it was actually real. Now part of that is also driven by the fact that he's been promised a trip yeah. with his cousins and he can't fail any of his classes. Mm -hmm. But like Evan, he did go back to middle school after the summer and tell his friends about his summer activities, which is highly unbelievable for anybody else who's not there experiencing it. Yes, and Evan is also having problems with a particular teacher. Mm -hmm. And this is also a repeat thing that's happening with Greg. Yep. Uh, so after our um, opener with the story he's convinced is absolutely true, do you want to take us through what happens next? <clears throat> Alright, so Mr. Sar gives Greg a F on his paper that he gives during class because it's about the camera and it's supposed to be a true story. So the teacher says that he deserves this grade because he didn't understand the basis of the assignment. Which, in today's grading, wouldn't fly because of the no-zero policy in our schools. Yeah, which is, I mean, this part I find debatable because, yes, the point of the assignment was to do a paper and then give an oral report on mm -hmm. it about your true summer. Yeah. So, basically, you're being graded on um, your written ability as well as your speaking ability mm -hmm. and your, your ability to give, like, an oral presentation. In terms of giving a good presentation, he did that. Mm -hmm. uh, it just wasn't a believable and therefore factual story. Right. It was definitely made up. Now, a lot of those <clears throat> elements of things he did with his friends over the summer were true. Um, and, I mean, you could say, yeah, he stretched the truth about an evil camera because they were probably going around pretending it was an evil camera. If You know, like if you're not inclined to believe in the supernatural or paranormal. Right. Which, I mean, likely. Yeah. <laughs> um, in some cases, or well, now today you would dock grades for that rather than outright give a zero. Right, because the parents would be in an uproar and heaven forbid. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Mr. Sauer's original rationale behind it because technically that wasn't the assignment. No, right, right. But this grade means a lot more to Greg than just being a grade because if he doesn't bring his grades up, he can't go on his summer vacation with his cousins, is it? Yeah, and he has to be, he has to stay in Pitt's Landing, which, which is the worst. And all of his friends are going places, so he doesn't want to be there by himself to make it even worse. Um, we also move on to Greg's brother, Terry, now working at Kramer's Photo Store. How convenient. I was going to say, they mention he's now working in a camera place, and I know it's probably a natural progression because 
Greg has always been very interested in cameras mm -hmm. and was doing photography before he found his old camera. Mm -hmm. So, but then his hobby is never mentioned again. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was just like a filler. Yeah, but then, uh, so it makes sense that maybe Terry would have the same leanings. Him yeah. being the older brother, maybe it was Terry that got Greg in the cameras in the first place. And maybe the ice cream store shut down because it's a seasonal business. Yeah, or maybe he just switched jobs from the ice cream store to the camera place when an opening came up. Mm -hmm. There's no backstory to this. It just happened. <laughs> it just happened. <clears throat> and it's completely plot convenient, as we'll see later. Yes. So, um, Greg goes to the Kaufman house to get the camera because he wants to prove to Dr. Sop as Mr. Sauer? Mr. Sauer, yeah. That the story is true, so what better way to show that than actually have the, the camera there and be like, Hey, look, this is it. So, and show him just, because the idea was not to take any pictures, mm -hmm. just to show him how weird the camera was so he would right. believe it was evil. Right. Kids' thoughts. So it turns out that the house had been demolished because new people bought the land yeah. and took down the house. Yeah. So this is, this is the weird thing. This house, I was really hoping the Kaufman house would stay around. Oh yeah, I went into this chapter and I'm like, how are they going to do this? Because it was stolen at the end of the last book. <clears throat> totally without ceremony. It's just gone. Mm. And I find that funny that they didn't even make a thing about him showing up in time to watch it being torn down as it was actively torn being torn down. And maybe he'd have to sneak in and get the camera from its hiding place before they finished demolishing it. And yeah. he has a close call. Or There's nothing. I expected there to be something like that more so than the fact that the house is just already gone. Mm because they made such a big deal about the house in the first book. In fact, the house in the first book with all of its mysteries and secrets and bloodstains was bordering on being a character in the story. Mm -hmm. It very much bordered on the edge of gothic tale without <clears throat> really being a gothic tale. And to see it just gone without any sort of like ceremony, without any sort of struggle that you could yeah. witness was kind of weird that it was just gone. Yeah, so, um, the kid, uh, who's around the site is John, and Greg finds John, and asks him about the camera. And John lets him dig through the dumpster, because, you know, that's normal. Yeah. Rusty nails, tetanus. <clears throat> it's also right. normal that a young <clears throat> child can easily heave himself up into one of those giant industrial dumpsters that they use for clearing down places when they knock them down. When we were rebuilding the house, <laughs> we had these dumpsters on our lot, and it was like two feet or more above my head. If I wanted to heave something in it, I had to hoist it up over my head and then toss up. Like, a yeah. kid could not get into it. There's this. no way a kid is jumping <clears throat> up and easily getting into it and jumping down into it. No and way. And then pulling aside, like, boards and jip rock and all the crap he's digging through. And then he finds the, like, dead raccoon. and Right? It's just, it's too ridiculous. <clears throat> but he does find the camera, which is... Good, because, you know, the dead raccoon was hurting it. <laughs> and it makes sense that he would find the camera. I mean, not in the sense that the bullies took it mm. at the end of the last one. So somehow the bullies <clears throat> snuck it back into the house before yeah. it got torn in. Right. Because there was so, no mention of any of that. There was no mention of what happened with the camera in the interim. So what we're left to assume is that the bullies started taking pictures, found out it was bad news, 
very quickly put it back put it back where it came from and was like we're having none of this yeah that's what we can only assume because he does find it and like i said it would make sense it wouldn't be destroyed because you can't destroy it right so it would make sense that it's not beaten up even though the entire house has been wrecked right so um john wants his picture taken with camera well, yeah, John... Well, it, it, they fight over it, don't <clears throat> they? And it goes off They by fight over it and it goes off yeah. by accident because John decides maybe it might be valuable because it was in an old house. And maybe he should ask his dad first and shouldn't just let have, let this random kid have this old camera. Meanwhile, it was in a dumpster under a dead parking. Nobody would have even known it no. had existed if it weren't for Greg. And at first, it seems good because, like, John's being friendly and he's being nice and he's like... Yeah, I mean, it's in the garbage anyway, take it. And then he's like, well, maybe I shouldn't let you have it in case it's worth, worth something because this looks really old and really cool. Yeah, so John's picture showed him in pain, howling in pain. And minutes later, while John is going up to get his dad, he steps on a nail. Is it? Yeah, a large nail, and it gets driven right off his foot. Like, this is a childhood nightmare of mine. The amount of... Nails being driven into feet that you've read about and hear about in the stories as a child. That is a horrible nightmare of mine and it never happened. Um, here's, here's the thing. I've seen that firsthand a oh few God. times. Because my dad's done it <clears throat> multiple times. Oh my gosh. My dad only did it a few years ago fixing our fence. Accidentally stepped on a nail that was in a board that he had torn down that he didn't know was in the board. And then decided, well, it's almost lunchtime, so rather than come in and deal with it and then go back out, he's like, well, it's almost lunchtime, and walked around the yard with a board stuck to his foot because the nail was in it until he was done until it was lunchtime. Oh, my God. I have, like, <laughs> I thought this was going to be more prominent in my life, but I have never seen any of that. So. But it also doesn't surprise me that, that you have. <laughs> so this is a real thing that can happen, kids. <laughs> yeah, this is a true story. Be careful on construction sites. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so John's picture came true almost immediately. And John's father and a friend who was surveying the lot or something out back drove him to the hospital. And Greg just, you know, took the camera and went on. Yeah, he was like, well... He felt bad about it, but he doesn't really know John or the family. No. It's not like he can say anything at this point that's going to help. He has no. to be rushed to hospital. Yeah. So he's like, well, I'll just leave, and hopefully John forgets that I have the camera. And there we go. Uh, Sherry catches him on the way to school. Yes, so... With the camera. Here's the thing. We get reintroduced to the group of people, right? Yeah. Uh, so we'll go through our characters again, because we've got the same main cast. Mm -hmm. And by and large, other than the little bit of changing Greg's character. They're mostly the same characters. Yeah. They're having lunch the same day that Greg gets the F and he tells them about the F and he tells them he wants to go get the camera. Mm -hmm. And they're of like course, not happy. They all think that's a terrible idea and mm -hmm. they go back to having their lunch. Shari takes him seriously about it and figures he's gonna go get it. Yeah. So she's waiting early for him the next morning. She knows. Yeah. She's like she knew he was going to go get that camera. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, they're fighting over the camera and Sherry's picture gets taken. And then Greg's picture gets taken. And yes. Sherry's picture shows... It's a, a negative. So, yeah. it's like reverse image. So, everything that's 
white is black and everything mm. that's black is white. Like a real, like true negative. Yeah. And <clears throat> Sherry's upset that her picture's been accidentally snapped. So while Greg is still reeling from the idea that the camera's gone off and taken her picture, she grabs it from him and takes his picture on purpose. Yes. As payback. And in Greg's picture, he is, they state, 400 pounds. Yeah. So, let's get into this part I don't like. Every time they describe larger people, and this happened a little bit in Monster Blood 2 when they were describing the teacher. Mm -hmm. They described him in a way that emphasized his weight every time he was ever described, in a way that was a bit uncomfortable and felt a bit like fat shaming. Mm -hmm. But this in particular, like... It starts a little bit here in that Greg, I think, is over-exaggerating. I don't think he's actually 400 pounds in the picture. I just think he sees a picture of him as being very large and goes, Oh my god, I'm 400 pounds! And yeah. it already starts in a very negative way, in a way that's going to get worse and take over the entire plot in a couple of chapters. Yeah, more so than what it should be mentioned. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, Mr. Sauer is at SEC the day that Greg Bush shows up with the camera, because that's convenient. And Greg is forced to hide the camera in his locker, because he doesn't want to be bringing that thing around with him all day long. Um, after school, Greg found that his backpack was a little more snug than what it usually is, and he thought somebody was playing a prank on him, you know, with just the straps on his book bag. Yeah, or maybe he just didn't notice, or... Yeah. But also his jeans were tight and he popped both bike tires when he tried to show off for his friends when he was jumping on yeah, his bike. Yeah, here's where it starts to take a really bad turn. He goes to bed that night after the next day at school and, well, everything is fine during school. It's on the way home, like you said. Yeah, he notices and the difference. he notices the difference then. And he jumps on the bike and the tires pop and not only is he talking, and this is at the end of the chapter, this yeah. is happening, and not only is he talking in a negative way about himself, and worrying, oh my god, no, I'm going to be fat, but his friends start making some fat jokes. Mm -hmm. And it's really not good to see. No. I mean, it, you still wouldn't like it even if it was minor stuff and they left it at that, but it gets worse. So, from the beginning of the next chapter, mm -hmm. Up until almost the end, um, right before the start of chapter 25, this becomes the plot of our movie. Or, our movie. <laughs> our movie. <laughs> Wrong medium word. This becomes the plot of our book. And the main plot centers around the fact that Greg is gaining weight. Mm -hmm. And it's really bad. Like, they focus on him gaining weight more so than they focus on Sherry losing weight. Yes, and that is another problem that I have a huge problem with. Mm -hmm. Especially since... Okay, I don't know what the statistics are now or what the climate is like now, but growing up in the 90s, I remember a lot of statistics around young girls tending to be more often uh, bulimic or anorexic than young boys would be. Mm -hmm. Not that it didn't happen, just that it occurred more commonly in young girls. Yeah. And I remember a lot of PSAs and a lot of like videos and things geared towards teaching young girls, um, you know, about the dangers of becoming anorexic and bulimic. Mm -hmm. We watched a bunch of bunch of them in health classes and stuff. Like, it was just 
um, a really prevalent thing. Mm -hmm. And to suddenly introduce that as a plot, where basically she is the negative of his picture, so because he's gaining weight, she's losing it. And to show concern about the fact that she's losing weight and her parents have taken her to the doctor. But they mention it very little other than that. And I understand it's because our main our main character is Greg, and yeah. this is from his point of view. <clears throat> so the main focus is on him. Mm. But it unfairly skews a main focus on gaining weight as if that's a larger issue than losing it. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, really, really bad message. And, and I don't think that was done on purpose. And Greg's parents didn't think too much of it. They just thought it was an allergic reaction. Yeah, they do get more concerned <clears> as, <throat> as, he, as he gains weight more and more and more quickly. But as he's gaining weight, like people who are supposed to be his best friends, Michael and Burr, are constantly making fun of him. Mm-hmm. Um, other kids in school are making fun of him. He's yeah. afraid to go to school because he's being made fun of and his parents won't listen and they say, no, they'll be understanding, especially your best friends. Kids in middle school are understanding? Yeah, right. Right? <laughs> so, this is, it's, it's become a really bad problem. And it's a problem with the narrator, um, and by that I mean the author and how it's been narrated as well because he uses adjectives to describe Greg that don't necessarily make sense as he's getting bigger. Like he says things like, um, Greg will describe himself as having rolled somewhere. And it's like, you're not, like that's not possible. You're not that big. Yeah. This is an exaggeration (laughs) and it's done in a way that the narrator has chosen to do it that didn't make sense. And twice he says he bounced out of a room. And it's like, come on now. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, why are you choosing this way to describe him? And the way he's absolutely terrified of becoming a larger person, like it's the end of the world, is not good. No. And the part that really, really got me the most, and I wrote down the quote, so I'm looking for it here. Right, is where... He's trying to explain it to Shari, and she's also losing weight, and this is when she's first losing weight. Mm -hmm. And they're both really weird and upset about it. But she starts laughing at him and says, oh gross, you look really weird. And it's like, you're supposed to be best friends. Yeah. And on top of that, it, it feels like a commentary that's being made on people getting larger and I don't, I really don't like it and it's especially bad to teach to children. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Dr. or sorry Mr. Sowers uh, making fun of him in class too like sending to the nurse and making fun of his size in class like he's supposed to be the role model in class and he's not putting this down he's kind of at like gearing the students up. And that's up. where it's super super <clears throat> upset me because I understand they're trying to show a dynamic where maybe the teacher is not necessarily a good role model. Mm-hmm. And it's true, you do get issues sometimes with teachers where your personalities don't click and they are a little meaner and that's unfortunate that that happens. But they're still not this bad. No, my god, this is such an exaggeration. Yeah. 
And it also makes it seem like it was okay for everybody to make fun of Greg up to a point. Mm -hmm. So once Greg reaches a certain size, the kids stop making fun of him. Because he's getting so much larger so fast. Like once he gets to a certain size, the kids actually start to get afraid. And they stop making fun of him. So it seems extra cruel when the teacher does it, especially in front of the class, yeah. purposefully to humiliate Greg. Mm -hmm. And none of the other kids, obviously, join in and laugh. No. It's just Mr. Sauer laughing at him. But st still, and I know that was done to show him as a bad person, but it also, it really does give you the impression that it was okay to make fun of Greg for being overweight up until, it's like, like yeah, up until he felt like it was dangerous or yeah. something. And it, <clears throat> that's... You just shouldn't do it. No. And this would not help anybody with body issues, no. especially if you were a kid trying to fit in. Right. Probably having these same issues yourself, and then to read this. Yeah. Hence the... I'm so angry this is a child's <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah, that was not a very good turn for this one. And it eats up so much of the plot. It does, yep. You, 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 like, you can't get away from it because all they talk about is how large Greg is getting and then interject in between that Shari's getting small and... Her clothes are falling off and he and has nothing to fit him and... Yeah. So they do have an idea. Now this is good because now we're back to actual camera plot. <laughs> yeah. So they have an idea of going to uh, Terry at work, bringing in their pictures and getting him to reverse the picture. So adding... Uh, the negative picture of Sherry, adding positive to it to make it look like an actual picture, and that that it's like ghostly, skinny, and to reverse Greg's picture. Yeah. So the idea is <clears throat> way back machine for film. Yeah. History <laughs> um, lesson. <laughs> he's, and this is it's interesting that they have the idea to rip up the pictures, mm -hmm. and then stop. Because they're not sure. They if don't that will work. Yeah, they don't know if that will exactly work. Greg knows it worked once mm -hmm. in a particular instance. But will it work a second time? But will it work a second time? And they're too afraid to destroy the pictures just in case something worse happens or mm -hmm. makes it permanent. Like they don't know. Right. So they decide to take it to, to Terry to reverse the pictures. And that is really clever. <clears throat> when you had pictures and you had film, your film roll was your negative. Mm -hmm. And the print of the picture was your positive. Mm -hmm. So what he wanted to do was take the negative image and have it reprinted as a positive image so it would be colored instead of, black you know, white. black and white negative. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do the same thing with his picture except the opposite process. Mm -hmm. Take it from being a positive colored picture to a negative black and white picture of it thinking it would make the reverse happen to what was in the picture. Right. Which works. It did. Yay. Hooray. <laughs> Which means making prints of the cursed images also holds some kind of power because it's been in contact with the cursed thing, which is really interesting. The only problem with this is that it's instant film. Yes. It's self-developing. There is no negative. There's no negative. So you can't make prints. So you can't make positive and negative prints of it because it's not that kind of film. So you can't develop it in a lab. Now, uh -oh. if you wanted to, you could scan them in. Yeah, and fix them on a computer. But that type of technology 
isn't here. Isn't here in 1996. There are scanners, but like, and the logistics of trying to do that to instant film in particular, because that's a harder thing mm -hmm. to, to scan. Yeah, and to manipulate. <clears throat> it's not something that you would go to your local photo lab to do. No, and Terry is not going to know how to do it either. And you're not going to need to go into a black room and develop things to do it. No. So this entire process, <laughs> smoke and mirrors. While the idea is nice and I like that concept, mm -hmm. it it it's not actually <laughs> possible. <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> so, so oh, yeah. So that brings us to the end of the story, where Greg uh, does bring his camera in again to Mr. Sauer. And he knows Mr. Sauer is back, and the problems have been taken care of, mm -hmm. and he takes the camera out of hiding, which, by the way, we have gotten rid of this whole secret compartment in Greg's headboard, and he's been hiding it in his underwear drawer. <laughs> <laughs> so original. But better and more realistic yeah. for somewhere a child would try to hide something. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... Gray wants to take a picture of Mr. Sauer for all the mean things he said to him, get him back, you know, like karma. Yeah, he, he wants to like really pay him back. Oh yeah, and he's going for it. He's not listening to Sherry. He, this is what he's doing and it'll fix itself eventually, but you know, he wants his comeuppance. So um, Mr. Sauer takes the camera and proceeds to take a picture of the entire class. Because he thinks this is all a joke, of course. Yes. So he's like, everybody say cheese, and then Greg is like, no. Oh, and he's like, oh well, I guess we'll figure it out. And then it just ends. Yep. It's a terrible ending. It is, because you, know, you don't know what happens to the whole class. There's no... You don't know what the picture shows, like there's no cliffhanger other than a picture taken. Yeah, and there's no real resolution to the conflict. We don't see any resolution between Mr. Sauer and Greg. We don't find out what happens to Greg's grade. Nope. We don't find out what happens to the camera or the class or if they decide to get rid of it. There's no conclusion nope. to any of this. Nope. Nothing. Like it. <laughs> so it has a really, really terrible subplot that takes over half the book for a while. Yep. And then on top of which, the book is not well written and there's no good conclusion. And it's like adding insult to injury. It's just, I can't with this book. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you it's really It's bad. Feel. It's, ba it's <laughs> so bad. Like, it doesn't even have the decency to be well-constructed and well-written on top of what is a really, truly terrible subplot. And that's Say Cheese and Die Again. <laughs> and that's how I really feel about this book. And in all honesty, like, absolutely... Skip it. Yep. On to some more uh, light, lighthearted notes. <laughs> the interaction scene of them at the beginning in the cafeteria I thought was really nice. Mm -hmm. When you're seeing everybody like behave the way they behave as kids um, at the table and it's describing them all eating and how they eat, which is like a very like kid thing because mm -hmm. everybody has their certain specific ways yeah. they like to have certain foods. and. It talks about Michael doing like the most normal kid thing in the world to do when you're eating. And Greg is like, oh man, Michael's so weird. While he's describing how Bird is eating his lunch, he's saying Michael's the weird one. And here's Bird sitting down. He likes to take his sandwich, 
poke a hole through the middle of the sandwich. Yep. And then eat it from the inside out to the edges. It is so weird. It is the weirdest thing I have ever seen described. I don't know anybody who's ever eaten anything that way, ever. It is the strangest thing. And that's just left as if it's normal. Mm -hmm. It was so strange. I was reading that and I'm like, <laughs> what? And that's then, but and then he's saying Michael's the weird one, and it's like, no, buddy, <laughs> I got news for you. You don't know what weird is. <laughs> right. We need to show you some YouTube videos and how to eat a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the the running gag though with Michael is supposed to be that, because um, this happened in the first book too, which I thought was really funny in the first book. Michael is constantly trying to crack jokes yeah. that aren't really funny. No, they're bad jokes. But they're bad jokes in the sense that he's trying to make a joke that is a pun or that relates thematically to what the instance is, but he doesn't quite get it right. It's not funny. Like, it does relate to what they're talking about or is a pun, but it's not actually funny like he's yeah. not quite doing it right no like he's not quite getting it and that makes him trying to tell jokes gag funny in this book when he's doing that the first time he does it it like you can see he's trying to relate it and it doesn't work but the rest of the times he makes jokes they're actually nonsensical they don't relate to what they're talking about at all. They're just really <laughs> weird, random statements. He's trying really, really hard. But it just didn't make sense because it broke that running gag yeah. that was so funny before. And <clears throat> it just, I don't know, it was weird. <clears throat> they tried to keep that character quirk, but it was like the writer forgot what made that funny in the first <laughs> place and just started having him say random nonsense. And it's like, is he even trying to make a joke? Like, some of the stuff he said was... Very strange. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, were there any interesting moments you found in the book? Um, no, I just, I really disliked the teacher. I really disliked that teacher, yeah. So that made that whole thing really difficult. Like, anytime uh, Mr. Sauer was mentioned, I was just losing interest. Like, he was just, he wasn't, like, a teacher. Because going through K-12, to like, you didn't have any teachers that really picked on the students because they knew that would be right up and then parents now are like all about being on top of it and if he said anything like in the book to any of the students in like real life he would not have a job yeah and i mean like i said there's sometimes you don't get on with a teacher well and there is a little bit of picking on but not to that extent no but usually that's a grading or interpretation or like create a difference it's, it's not somebody making, it's not a teacher making fun of a student's weight. Yeah. It's not like that personal. And not normally, no. No. I mean, that's not to say there aren't instances where that happens, but that's not a normal thing no. for a teacher to do. No. And it, it was really, it was very, very cruel. Mm hmm So I wasn't a big fan of that. No. Um, I liked it better when the adults were well written. Mm -hmm. So that was St. Cheese and Die Again. And um, yeah, we uh, our official rating is skip it. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're doing a reread and you want to have a good time, it's not cheesy in that way that some of them can get annoying, but they're still cheesy and fun. They're, it's not 
a good story. It's just bad. It's it's bad, Jamie. It's bad. That's the term. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. So, is there anything in the book that you really distasted or disliked, or anything that you really thought was a good add to it that you'd like to mention? Um, feel free to leave it in the comments. Yeah, if there's a way that you would change this and change the plot, mm -hmm. uh, let us know, because I think some of the premise things in this were decent. Like I said, I liked how they tried to play with the film. It wouldn't have actually worked, but I liked the idea of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. What would you uh, What would you do with this to, to like improve it? How would you make it better? I would love to hear that. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to go on to the next book, Say Cheese and Die Screaming. Now, I've got a quick question for you about this. Yep. Uh, your version, is it like an American-Canadian version? I don't know. So I got this second hand, and I'll say on the back here. <clears throat> yeah, so yours is the American-Canadian release. Mine's a UK release. <laughs> How did that get all the way over here? I mean, kids, people moving around, people visiting the UK. Vacationing. Yeah, or moving here. Yeah. Who knows? <clears throat> cool. But either way, this is a UK version, so I'm curious to see if there's any differences in the two. Like, are they written different colloquially? to like use expressions that would be common in the uh, UK as opposed to like here. So I'm kind of curious about this one. Uh, this will be our last book for the year. Mm -hmm. uh, this one is going to come out on December 15th mm -hmm. and then we're going to take a break uh, for the holidays mm -hmm. and we will be back on January 30th with the new one which will be book five. I think so. Yes, because the last one was, this is the Save Cheese and Die series, which was book four. So book five will be our next book on January 30th after this one. So, for December 15th, A Picture Perfect Nightmare. Did you want to read the back? <laughs> <laughs> um, a picture's worth a thousand screams if it's taken with an evil camera that has a nasty uh, vision of the future. Julie's future doesn't look pretty. And neither does anyone else's after they're caught on her lens. Caught in her lens. Uh, things start looking up when Julie gets to Horrorland. Oh, that, we're not going that far though. No, we're not going to do the Horrorland. Because this is three books in one. Yes. So, like before, <clears throat> um, we're not going to do the add-on story and we're not going to do the Horrorland story. Right. Uh, we're just going to do the main say, cheese, and die plot. Which is like 84, 86 pages or so. Something like that. So it's not as long as some of the other mm -hmm. books. Uh, it might be neat sometime at the end to read just the Horrorland parts and read them all together as one story like I think you're meant to. Because uh, there's maps, I noticed as well, that you can fit together of the park. So you connect the different books together and it connects to different edges of the... Uh -huh. To make a map of Horrorland, which is kind of neat. That is very neat. I didn't even look that far. It might be nice to at some point read the Horrorland part and just see what the whole Horrorland story is since they're all connected. Yeah. But for now, we're just going to do the main plot. So join us again on uh, December 15th. Mm -hmm. Where can we find you online? Oh, I am at coffee underscore with underscore Jen with one N. 
and you can find me online at a glitter macaroon with one T and two O's. And when you reach us on Twitter, be sure to hashtag all of your comments and reviews with GBC Ghost Next Door. Absolutely. Until then, read to beware. You're in for a scare.